Our scripture lesson today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. Uh, these are the words of Jesus. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be the members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, these are difficult words to hear. It's not the message that I particularly want. But Lord, help us to hear your truth and your words, that it might transform our lives. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I'm the youngest of four boys. Uh, my nearest brother is seven years older than me. And so I was never in a position to really compete with them. They were always older and stronger. So there wasn't a lot of sibling rivalry between my three brothers and me. Uh, they were my heroes, in fact. I idolized them. I wanted to copy them. I wanted to be like them in so many ways. Two of my brothers were Eagle Scouts, and that got me started on my path towards scouting and eventually becoming an Eagle myself. I was following their footsteps. Uh, all three of my brothers were athletes, and, and I did my best to follow along in that regard as well, even choosing their numbers for football jerseys. I wanted to be like them. All three of my brothers graduated college, uh, two of them from the University of Alabama, and so there was really no question about who I would cheer for and really not even where I would go, or definitely not if I would go. I was going to follow in their tradition and, and I was going to go to college just as they did. And sure enough, I did. Uh, my three older brothers were my heroes. Uh, sadly, they didn't always feel that way about one another. Uh, I idolized them, but they had some sibling rivalry going on between them, and uh, sometimes it was worse than I'd like to admit. Because I was the youngest, I was often around one or the other of them when they were complaining about our brothers. One would complain against two, or two would complain against the one, and, and then they would complain against wives, and there was just typical family ugliness, and but yet it broke my heart. It destroyed me. These were my idols that were seemed to be tearing apart right before my eyes. Uh, it, it just really, really was a hard thing to witness. Uh, even as a young child, I was just thinking, can't you put away these silly differences? And let's go back to being the kind of family that I remember from Christmases in our early childhood. Let's go back to those days. Put aside all the foolishness. I think perhaps my parents felt the same way. Again, because I was the youngest, because I was the last one at home, I would get to be with them at the devotions at the breakfast table every morning. Uh, they made me endure those whether I wanted to or not. More often, I didn't really want to. Uh, during that devotional time, I would hear my parents pray for my older brothers, pray for reconciliation, 
prayed for peace in our family. As a dad myself now, I understand their prayers even more fully. I, uh, I deeply want my family to stay in peace with one another. I, one of the worst things I can imagine is my own family, my own household going to war with each other. The very thought breaks my heart. Uh, I, family peace, unity beyond the family is so critical to me. And so to be honest, these words of Jesus really bother me. I don't like hearing them. I don't like Jesus talking this way, to be really honest. He says he hasn't come to bring peace, but a sword. That because of Jesus, us, the families will be torn apart. A son will be against his father, and a daughter will be against her mother, and the foes, once foes, will be members of their own household. And I hate hearing that. I, I can't imagine the pain that's involved in that, that our enemies would be members of our own household. Regardless, so Jesus certainly does not seem to believe in unity at all costs. Jesus in this passage is not supporting the idea that we should be united no matter what. There must be some conditions on it somewhere. There must be more to the story. Why can't we have that kind of unity? Well, if unity is our ultimate goal, then we will probably have to sacrifice some of our core values to get there. Unity can't be an organizing principle by itself. Unity can't really be the top priority. You see, that kind of unity requires that every opinion, every value be treated as equal. That everyone's ideas, everyone's opinions have, have equal value, that they all share the same validity. Now, I, I want to be very clear that everyone is entitled to their own opinion, and I would fight to, to defend that idea. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but I also must admit that not all opinions are created equal, are they? In fact, some opinions are hurtful. Some are even hateful. Some people's values tear down and destroy. We can't sacrifice values of peace and love for values that destroy, all in the name of unity. It's just not a good option. Now, I want to be very clear. I want to make sure you hear me on this. It is absolutely necessary that we learn to love all people, regardless of their ideas, regardless of their values, regardless of their behaviors. It is necessary for us to love all people. However, we certainly cannot embrace every ideology. We can't support every value system. Some have got to win out and others have got to fall behind. To illustrate, let's turn the clock back about 60 or 70 years. Let's go back to Birmingham, Alabama in the 1960s. Uh, you're probably familiar with a guy named Bull Connor. Uh, Bull Connors has ab the absolute right, he had the absolute right to believe what he wanted to believe about the races. But the church had an absolute responsibility to speak up and tell him how wrong he was when he said, I wanted to see the dogs work. 
He was talking about an incident that occurred just down the road from us in Birmingham where children, African-American children, were marching for peace and marching for African-Americans to get the right to vote. And during their peaceful march, Bull Connor released attack dogs on those children. His response was, I wanted to see the dogs work. That's not a value I can support. That's not, that's not a value I believe the church can support. We have an obligation to step up and say, no, that's wrong. We can't sacrifice that obligation for the sake of unity. Then Governor Wallace had the absolute right to make his speech, segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. He had the right to those words, but the church had the moral responsibility to stand up and call him out, to call him wrong for that language. Because we know that we're all created in God's image. All of us from around the globe, regardless of our ethnicity or our background, we're all created in God's image and we're all deserving of love and justice and respect and mercy. You see, the church simply cannot sacrifice those kind of values, even for the sake of unity. Now, I, I love unity, just like with my family. I want to have unity, but not at the expense of hatefulness. That just shouldn't be an option for us. Now, I, I realize that I've used extreme examples. Uh, I did that to try to make a point, to try to pull something out of our history that probably most of us will agree on. So they are extreme examples to us. However, they weren't all that extreme examples in the 60s. Uh, church people in the 60s in Alabama had to navigate their way through that. They had to figure it out. And we'll have things that we have to figure out as well. But you see, people don't organize around unity. People unify around ideas. We unite around principles. We unite around values. Uh, the things that we believe in common are the things that unite us, either good or bad. Nazi Germany was incredibly united just around the wrong things. Jesus calls us to unite, but to unite around his values. Our calling is to unite around Christ's values. And they are so important to Christ that he spoke these words to say that they are, they're more important even than our families. That Christ values, the things that Christ holds dear are even more important than the family members that we hold dear. He even said that if we would follow him, if we would sign on for his values, that we should be prepared to lay down our lives for them. Something I can hardly imagine. Fortunately, it's not something we frequently face in our culture. But Jesus offers the idea of these uniting principles, these uniting values that are more important than family and even more important than life. Now, I'm not about to try to make a list of those for you today. Uh, I don't have the exhaustive list. Uh, I'm not going to try to provide an exhaustive list for you, largely because I'm as prone to bias as anybody. If I start trying to list the values that I think Christ would choose for us, I'm afraid they might end up looking more like my values than Christ. And that's not right. That wouldn't do any of us any good. 
Uh, I don't want you to follow my values. I want you to follow Christ's values. I want to learn to follow Christ's values. Although I do have some clues about what might be included in his. Uh, I would assume that principles like love and justice and mercy would be very important values to Jesus. After all, he began his ministry by saying that he had come to set the captives free, to liberate those who are oppressed, to preach good news to those that are poor. Uh, those were important to Jesus in the Gospels. I suspect they still are, and so perhaps those are some of the values we cling to, but I will not begin to try to give you a complete list of Christian values that we should all unite around. Instead, I want to invite us to a conversation. I want to invite you to join this conversation and begin to make your own list. What are the non-negotiables? What values do I find in Christ that I would not give up for anything, even if it causes separation? And nobody's pulling for separation. Nobody wants to see separation. But what are the things about following Christ that are so critical, so essential, that I would not give them up, even if it created separation in my life? I encourage you to, to even jot some of those things down. But also, with great humility, understand that your list may not be perfect either. I think we begin to discern Christ's wisdom in a group. And so once you've thought about it some, I would encourage that we begin to have that conversation as individuals, as Sunday school classes, as small groups, as Bible studies. Let's consider together, let's try to prayerfully discern together what are the non-negotiables of the Christian faith. What is so important to us that we would not turn our backs on it no matter what. I pray that as we discern those things, as we discern what's truly most important to Christ, that Christ will fill us with His Spirit so that we will have the ability, the conviction, the strength to live out those kinds of values. I came across a prayer from St. Thomas Aquinas, that, or excuse me, St. Thomas Aquinas, wrong Thomas. I came across a prayer from St. Thomas Aquinas that really touched my heart as I thought about the importance of getting in tune with God and of living a life that honors God above all else. I'd like to share that prayer with you. Grant me, O, grant me, o Lord, to know what I ought to know, to love what I ought to love, to praise what delights Thee most, to value what is precious in Thy sight, to hate what is offensive to thee. Do not suffer me to judge according to the sight of my eyes, nor to pass sentence according to the hearing of the ears of ignorant men, but to discern with a true judgment between things visible and spiritual, and above all, always to inquire what is the good pleasure of thy will. I hope you'll join me in that prayer for our lives and for our church. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Perhaps something throughout the worship, the, the music, the prayers, the preaching, perhaps something is connected with you. And I'd like to offer you a chance to connect more deeply, more fully. My email address is on the screen now. And if you'd like to talk more about something you experienced in today's worship service, I would love to have that opportunity. I would love for us to connect more deeply and I would love to provide a connection for you to the Forest Lake family. So please feel free to email me and let's continue the conversation. Amen.